I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. What he said dominate, and we not doing it. I put my heart in this, dog. Let's go, man. You're listening to Kane Gang, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another edition of the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. As always, it's your boy DC coming off a devastating, heartbreaking, emotional loss up in Tallahassee against FSU. Um, there's a lot to say. There's a lot to talk about. Man, I just I just don't know exactly where to go and, and what to do. Um, there's a lot of things that transpired over the last few days. We'll get into some of that as well. Um, but, man, what a... What a disappointing, I don't want to say disappointing effort because it wasn't a disappointing effort. It was, it was a disappointing outcome. Um, all things considered, um, just going up to tally, I had such high expectations to see us literally just pound FSU, literally. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm always optimistic because it is a rivalry game. You don't know what you're getting into. You don't know what can occur as far as, you know, players' health, you know, turnovers, penalties, and all those things came into play. Sure, sure enough, you know, uh, it, it just definitely was a, a great, great atmosphere. I was surprised literally right before the game started. It looked like it was going to be – Probably about maybe ten to fifteen thousand, you know, maybe empty seats. It just really wasn't filling up pretty quick. Um, but then as game time rolled around, it actually it actually picked up pretty quick. And uh, as a game, you know, got ready for kickoff, it filled up, and it was your typical FSU Miami. Um, and, and again, the rankings, the way the rankings are, and the way the records are, um, it's it's one of those things where you just kind of take you, you can't take it for granted. Obviously, you know. They're sitting there at three and, and something, and you know I'm you know Miami's over here at you know five and four, ready to uh, you know try to get bowl eligible. And then at the end of the day, they uh, they crapped the bed. You know they uh, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't handle business, and um, you know chalk it up to five and five and moving forward to Vatech. So birds uh, birds finally joining us, and uh, yo bird, what's good? What's happening, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Um, just Get ready to talk a little bit about this FSU game and, you know, kind of what happened and what transpired up there in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, you know, got a chance to road trip, you know, decent little, you know, six and a half hour, seven hour drive up the tally, beautiful weather. Atmosphere was just phenomenal as far as getting ready for the game. Uh, you know, and again, Florida State is going to be up for this game, whether or not they were up for any other game. Um, but you can see the potential for FSU, and I think Mike Norvell's got that team kind of headed in the right direction. As much as we want to sit and, and blast on them and kind of go off on them, same time, man, they're making progress. I mean, their record might not be indicative of of where they are or where they can go, but you know, they're definitely making progress moving forward. Yeah, and boys play hard, man. And I think we knew that going in there that they were going to play hard, man. So, um, yeah, I mean that, that's the thing. I mean, I think they they came out in the first quarter and they they kind of punched us, 
and uh it took us a little bit to to kind of catch our footing and get back into it man but uh yeah i mean credit where credit's due man you know i don't i don't even think that they punched us in like like per se punched us in the mouth because you know we came out and, and our defense was solid um you know obviously tvd had two interceptions in the first quarter uh one was like kind of a and again it it was great pressure by their defensive line and, and that's what the 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 one thing going into that is I knew that their front four, especially with Jermaine Johnson, they were going to be solid up front. So I got to give their front four, you know, mad props and, and mad credit because they, they pushed our O-line and not the middle of the O-line. It was really one guy, you know, Jermaine Johnson going on the edge and whether or not it was against Zion or whether or not it was against Jared Williams, the guy made plays, man. There's a reason why he's going to be playing on Sundays, you know, but that first interception by TVD, um, you know, he had some pressure on his face. He couldn't step into the throw because Keyshawn was definitely behind the receivers. But the ball being underthrown, um, you know, listen, defender made a good good read on it, picked the ball off. You know, the one that bothered me, though, is the Mike Harley throw. Um, obviously hit him right in the chest. D, you know, DB came up and hit him and just took the yeah. ball from him. And, and that's where I have a hard time blaming that throw on like a Tyler Van Dyke because that shouldn't go against the quarterback. I mean, hit the guy right in the hands you know, hit him right in the chest. And all of a sudden, you know, it looks bad on his stats. That wasn't his fault. Yeah. No, that one was, that one was on Harley, man, for sure. When it happened, we're just looking at it like, Oh man. It, so. It's tough. Right. Cause, cause like I literally, I did not watch the game. Um, I have not rewatched the game. Oh, I have me not. Um, but I have been watching YouTube a little bit. Um, and, and again, so, it goes back to one defensive player that really controlled that whole line of scrimmage and that whole game was Jermaine Johnson. And, and as much as I, I hate to say it, man, that, that dude just literally he made guy's money, an animal, dude. But he made he made tons of money last Saturday. And you know, that he's he's definitely gonna be up there as a probably potential first round pick, edge rusher, um, with how he played last week. Now again, he has to finish um the season out and do the same type of yeah. thing, obviously combine and stuff, but the, the kid looks the part, you know, he's been, he's been doing it against everybody, not just us, man. Correct. But on the flip side, you know, we, I look at our defensive ends and again, I've been watching some highlights today just to try to get acclimated with a little bit of what I can see to, to discuss about what went wrong a little bit. For some reason, our, our edge rushers always have a tendency to sh- like angle in towards the quarterback instead of maintaining their edge again. They should be pushing up field, turning the play back inside. Um, on that fumble where TVD got strip sacked um, again, I think that was Jermaine Johnson, if I'm not mistaken, early in the game. The next play that Florida State ran literally was just a toss sweep to the outside, and um, I believe it was uh, McLeod and I believe it was uh, Gill who literally just cut down on angles, and the guy walked on the outside and just you know walked down the sideline into the end zone. That's yeah. where. Again, I don't know what's being taught or what they're being told, but you should know at this point that your main objective as a defensive edge rusher is to push straight up the field to control containment. When you get caught sneaking inside, that's what happens. Whether or not it's an RPO, quarterback pulls it, or like that was just a toss sweep to the outside, around the edge, see you later, touchdown, you know, points on the board. Well, to that, it seems like, you know, you talk about the DNs. They do the exact same thing every single play. You know, it's, it feels like there's no creativity on the on the D line with what uh, with what we do and shooting gaps and stunting and all that stuff, man. Like 
it's literally, you know, like they go in there and they take uh they just go and then they, they, they try to collapse the pocket on him. They try to get to the quarterback as fast as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, but your job, <laughs> but your job, and again, I don't care if it's 53, 33, 12, 13, you know, whoever else you want to put in there. Your job is to get upfield and, uh, you know, contain. Your job is containment, not letting him get to the outside. At what point do you say, I'm only going to do my job? You have to trust the other 10 guys on, on your team to do their job. Now, again, this is literally just, you know, beating a dead horse, you know, week in and week out of the same things that we see every week. But at some point, you have to be able to take some type of accountability. Look, I can put all the blame and all the thing on Manny. I can put it on Packy. I can put it on T-Rob. I can put it on DVD. I can put it on Jess Simpson. But at some point, you have to put something on the players and hold them accountable. Yep. As much as I hate yeah. to say it, but I, the coaches could only call something. You have to go out there and execute. Yeah, and you know what? I would argue though that that you know the reason we have played so much better in these games is because you know those guys have gone out there and and, and executed right. But I mean, you know, I, I think you know you talk about like that conversation. It's kind of like the the chicken and the egg conversation, right? Which comes first? Well. To me, it's it's coaching and preparing and, prep and preparedness and telling the guys you got to be here, right? And we don't know. We don't know if they're if they're where they're supposed to be, if they're where the coaches are telling them to be, if they're doing the things those guys are telling them to do. But you know, when you look at it though, the performance of the team, the accountability lies within the coach, right? Like that's their their job is to have the team prepared and ready to roll. So to just kind of offset that that statement, I agree. Your coach, your and again, your coach's job, whether it's a D line coach, linebacker coach, safety coach, offensive line coach, wide receiver coach, your job is to have your players prepared and ready to play every single down. And if those players aren't following instructions or directions, then you need to find somebody as a player who can follow instructions or directions in order to make what you're trying to do and your philosophy come to fruition. And yeah. this is where I feel like, again, I, I literally watched some highlights, and I saw the same thing over and over and over again. I didn't even watch the offense a little bit today, um, just more focused on the defense. So let's get into the game a little bit. Obviously, like I said, it didn't start off the way we wanted to. Literally went down 14 nothing super quick. Again, turnover by TVD on, on, a, on a pass down to Keyshawn. Um, and then we had the strip sack. You know, they turned that into seven. You know, but for the most part, the defense actually played really well. Um, it seemed like to me Florida State had literally eight plays. It was toss left. So they've had right, all year. Uh, fake toss left, quarterback keeper up the middle. Fake toss right, quarterback keeper up the middle. A little quick screen out to the outside. You know, maybe a shot down the field from, you know, time to time. And a little, you know, pass to the tight end every now and then. So – what did they do <laughs> that kept Miami off balance? Again, I, we try to spy on Jordan at times. I thought our defensive line actually played pretty decent. You look at someone like Leonard Taylor again, and I think the kid's going to be just a phenomenal, you know, contribution to the University of Miami's football team. Um, he leads the team and tackles for loss and has played like a third of the, the downs. Maybe so if I'm not mistaken, he played 20 snaps. 
and registered six tackles. Why isn't that kid playing? More? Why isn't he on the field all the time? It's, it's you know. It, it's beyond me. He, yep. So, obviously, there's a lot to talk about, and, and we'll get into the latter things later. Um, but, again, you go down 17 nothing. You know, again, you get a you get a, a late score. You know, towards the end of the half, you're back in in seventeen seven. Um, you know, they kick a field goal to to you know, end the half, go up twenties. And again, your defense played really well. They gave up plays, but they held them. You know, they held them to a couple field goals um, after those first two quick touchdowns. Um, but then, you know, again, coming out of the second half, it's like something like you know, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. It's like they turned their hat on backwards and they said, okay. It's time for us to play ball. And that's what they've done most of the times in the second half is they've created this identity of being like a second half team. Uh, they came out in the second half and was completely different. But, 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 so who's that on though? Is that, I mean, is that on your coaches or your players that you come out flat and you've came out flat and let's see, you came out flat in Alabama and app state. I wouldn't really say Michigan state. You kind of came out flat. We were, we were up in that one. That one's probably the opposite of it. Um, you know, close to Carolina, or but you came out quick. You, you came out quick against Georgia Tech. You were already up fourteen, nothing quick. You know, so but then you gave up a couple turnovers. Yeah, you got three they got back three in turnovers it. in the first half against Georgia Tech. So I would, but you still I, I would argue, but, but you can't. You still didn't come out flat. You were up fourteen, nothing, and no, you were I'm driving the, the first half. Like look, I mean, look at the first half results in almost all these games, man. They're they're pretty bad. <laughs> but that but the turnovers at Georgia Tech doesn't mean they came out flat. That just means they turned the ball yeah. over. They started off super quick, fourteen, nothing. Like that's not starting out flat, but then yeah. again, and they were driving the fumbles that they actually had were were inside the Georgia Tech you know side of the ball. You know, Rambo tried to make a play, or Royzio had a play, you know a play that got fumbled on. You know, the Jalen Knight and one that was just you know a pop up, and you know they returned that seven points. Um, but this game, I don't know if that was on the offensive play calling because obviously they try to go vertical, they try to stretch the field. But the thing is, in order for you to have success through the air, and, and again, TVD still threw for 315 yards, four touchdowns. It's your running game. Like, Rooster was only 16 for 32. Like, that's where the discrepancy, they literally took your running game, and I mean FSU, they literally took your running game out of the equation, and they put the ball in TVD's hands. But he responded by giving them the lead. So I can't knock TVD and I can't knock the offense. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I just, you know, it's, it seems like it's been the same story all year long. No matter how you, no matter how you slice it, man. Well, this, this is, this is what I wrote down because I felt like I needed to write things down so I can verbally make a statement. Penalties killed you. First drive of the game, I think you gave up six penalties. And again, some of those are questionable. You know, maybe the emotions, you know, your offsides, they, they're bad. You have to be, you have to be prepared. Now that's where I think maybe you kind of fault the players. They're just hundred percent. They're they're over anxious. They're 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 jumping. They're ready to go. But you got to control yourself. You got to know the situations. You got to know the environment um, because you can't literally walk them down the field because that's what you did. You walk them down the field and they punched it in. You know, the 15 yard uh, late hit out of bounds by James Williams really was a, like a bad the guy was already out of bounds. No reason to even push him. You know, but again, that's your emotions, right? That's, that's something where I think falls back maybe on the coaches as well, where when you start to see that, call a timeout, settle your team down, bring them in, say, hey, guys, yeah. relax. 
you know, but again, Manny's not the type of guy who's going to call a timeout. Uh, that's, which we, ba- that's basic stuff though, man. Like the, 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 the penalty stuff, especially if the late hits out of bounds and all that. I mean, if it's, if it's really close or it's questionable, I could see it, but like yeah. there was no reason to pop him out of bounds and look, you know, that's, that's part of the thing I've said a few times, man, you know, everybody's been screaming for the young guys, you know, but they're going to make, they're going to make, they're going to make mistakes. Right. And not that you have to be accepting of them. Right. Like, you know, we got to learn from them. Accepting them is like, Oh, well, they're okay. You know, I mean, as long as you learn from them, it's okay, but you're playing young guys. They're going to make mistakes. You know, they're going to get but the same people are making the same mistakes. You go back to James Williams against North Carolina had three personal fouls in that game. Mm-hmm. You got another one this game. I think he had another one before, but. So James is a different animal though. I think, I think James plays with such a high motor though, that. But I, needs, I don't think you can allow that to, though. Correct. You have to tone it. Yeah, he's he's he. I think he's learning to to temper that and to and to and to bring that back in, and a guy that plays as hard as he does, and you know, just with the reckless abandonment that he does, you know, he's gonna have to learn how to bring some of that stuff in, and it's just because it's just a byproduct of of who he is right now, and he's learning the game, but you know, his instincts, you know, are some of the best I think I've ever seen out there, man. I mean, he's always in the right spot. All right, well, we got to go to break here in the Ken Gang Radio Show. We'll be right back. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuela Pola too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking. I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuela Pola. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuela Pola. Tua. I can't do it. I'm done. Tongue of Iloa. Tua nigga Manuala Pola. Tongue of Iloa. Tua nigga Manuala Pola. Tongue of Iloa. Tua nigga Manuala Pola. Tongue of Iloa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information like your social security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. 
Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva, la potra, la caballota, la reina y mi queen. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. So, we're back here on the Kane Gang Radio Show. Appreciate you guys holding on for us. Um, getting back to James Williams, I, I think it comes to a point where you have to sit there and say, okay, yeah, you're young, you're going to make mistakes, but he's played in every game this season. We're in game number 10. You can't continue to make those same mistakes over and over and over again and be like, okay, he's young. You can't. Yeah. I mean, I, look, there's, there's no, there's, I get it, right? But I mean, I'm just saying, like with him though, he's a different, he's a, he's a different animal, man. The way the way that he plays, and I think, you know, yeah, we're ten games in, and he's his roles gradually got greater and greater every game as we've gone. Should he have learned from him now? Yeah, but like I said, man, that guy's just a high motor guy, and you know, but you have to learn how to temper time. that. But you have to yeah. temper it because at the end of the day, if you don't temper it, what's going to happen is it's going to cost your team. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that that personal foul hurt the team, but it definitely moved them up 15 yards and they, you know, they scored a touchdown. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things where, again, you go back to Carolina, those 15 yard penalties that cost you a touchdown. And, and again, that cost you a touchdown, which cost you the game. Now, again, when you look at cam, cam's not making those mistakes. Cam's young. Cam's cam's not making those personal fouls, you know, those type of things. And, and that's where I have to, like, I have to kind of, get to a, a, a point where I say, is James just playing as a loose cannon or is does he still need to mature a little bit? And again, you're going to have to take those results on how they come. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I think he's got to go and he's got to, you know, he, obviously he's got to temper this stuff, man, but you know, an off season for him, you know, spending a lot of time in the film room and, and really learning those mistakes and what led to them you know, that's what's going to turn to him, you know, turning that stuff around, you know, but, you know, I got nothing to say about it other than like the kid, the kid's got to learn from him. Right. I mean, you can't continue to accept him, but you got to right. understand that there's going to be frustrating moments with the young guys, you know? No, there, there will be frustrating moments. It's just a matter of at what point do they stop? If it's once every other week or once every six weeks, you know, yeah. those are the type of things that I can accept. But when they're weekly, that's where you have to sit there and say, hey, you know, you take him to the side and say, hey, you, listen, young stud, you got to control it. You, you, yeah. you know better than that, right? And, again, I get it. Football is a game of emotions. You know, again, you're sitting there, you're playing, you're running. You know, that one there was just kind of a blatant one. But I don't want to beat a dead horse on that. So penalties really hurt us that game. Uh, critical drops. And it's, it's been a theme for Miami too. And, again, it's, it's a couple people. It's Will. It's Keyshawn. And even Rambo has drops, right? Harley's had a few too. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm going back to the Harley drop. That literally was a momentum swing. You're right there at midfield. You catch the ball. The guy just takes it from you. Like now they have the momentum. Those are the things that I think that are killing the University of Miami. Is is just the in, the inadequate, maybe the lack of concentration, maybe the lack of knowing what to do and what not to do. I mean, if anything, if you're not going to catch it, just knock it down, right? Just knock it down. You don't want to give it to your defender because that literally costs you points. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that those are the things that, and then not just the, and then you look at the play calling, right? So penalties, drops, play calling on both sides of the ball, whether it's offensive play calling, well, there's defense play calling. Like at, at some point, we, we can be critical of everything. I, and I think that we can, as a fan, that's our job. We're going to be critical. You know, third and eight, we run the ball up the middle. Well, maybe there's a reason why they're running up the ball. Maybe they want to try to play for field position. Maybe they're doing something on the – the defense is doing something on the back end that we must – you know, we might not see. So instead of, you know, risking something – but I'm that guy. I'm the, I'm the pessimistic guy. If it's third and eight, you run 10 yards and you throw the ball. What's the worst that can happen? Either they intercept it or you can what's, – what's the best thing that can happen? You can catch it and get a first down and keep the drive and go out. Like, yeah. so I, I don't know. I don't know. Just the play calling sometimes. And it's been all year. It's been up and down. It started with Alabama. It was just a brutal play calling at Alabama. And then you've seen after King got hurt where it seemed like the playbook has opened up because I think you finally have somebody who can probably run Rhett's offense a lot better than our previous quarterback. And again, no disrespect to King. I just think Tyler has a better a better arm and he's better suited for this type of play calling. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing though, man, like, you know, we keep running with this RPO stuff, man. And, you know, I just don't ever see that work really anywhere. You know, nobody, you know, well, actually there's one team that does it and it's, you know, it's wake Forest with all their crazy delays and everything that they have, they make it work, you know, and like, that's like who their identity and they're, they're seeing success with it. Right. But they, are playing, but they are playing kind of a weaker schedule, though. They're not playing oh, yeah. top-notch defenses. So yeah. Oklahoma runs RPO all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's usually a shootout because they don't play defense over yeah, there. Yeah, Big conference. 12 ball is a little, a little <laughs> different, right? Yeah, yeah the, the Big 12 ball is definitely a, a little bit of a different you know, animal, right? Not better, not worse. No, but no. It's, they just, just, it's just different than what different. they do over there. Right. Yeah, but I mean that the thing is is like to me, man, like I look at these athletes that we have. I mean, most of our guys can outrun almost every DB that's that that another team has. Like, you know, we gotta stretch the field, we gotta go vertical a little more, man. Like, you know, it's like we never take advantage of our athletes. And you know, Rooster on that wheel route, dude, that real route has been unstoppable Correct. all season long. And we've gone to it like four times. And yeah. all four times, man, it goes for a it goes for a big gain. Heck. It's the same route that Rooster had to run, uh, you know, in the FSU game where he bounced off the guy and he got in. Yeah. Like that kid right there is elite in the open field, man. I mean, like when you get that kid in space, he's elite. But yeah, yeah we you still keep running it, him. You haven't seen anybody like that in a long yeah. time. But yet you still keep calling short yardage, you know, run plays for him. Like, look, if you want to see him succeed, you got to get him out in the open field and, and, and get him loose, man. You know, and and he's gonna run like crazy. You want to run up the gut. You want to run up the middle. That's that's you know that's a cam type run, right? That's a that's how you should be running Thad Franklin, right? Well, speaking of Thad, he finally got into the Ooh. game. Had a nice catch. Had one catch for eighteen yards. Yeah. I think that was the last time I saw him. But so <laughs> hey, they ran they ran Thad on uh, on Rooster's route. <laughs> they did. They, they did, and it just I I don't even know, man. It, it's baffling. It's what it is. It's baffling. Um. So, so here's the thing. So we're five and five, and we have Vatek coming up. And it, obviously, there's a there's a lot going on right now at the University of Miami. I mean, we might as well just talk about it. Um, you know, Blake James. I'm not sure if he was actually fired or you know. There's different reports. They mu- mutually agreed to part ways. 
So does bro, that mean got, you're fired? Does that mean you quit? We got like 2,000 insiders out there, bro. That's all you got to do is just search it on Twitter, man. Somebody, somebody's got the scoop, man. It's just whatever one you choose to believe. Listen, I, I can make a fake website and post it, <laughs> you know, just like everybody else does, right? So, yeah. but then but you look at Vatek coming in this week. Um, you know what? We'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. We'll talk about that in the next segment. Um, so, again, penalties, critical drops, play calling, and defense. So these are the four topics that really were racking my brain all week. And then, you know, you see Corey Flagg come out and say, this isn't nothing new to us. This is something that we do every day in practice. You know, we're undisciplined. You know, we, we experience this every day. And week 10 of your season, to me, that's unacceptable. And this is where having a player's coach, quote unquote, is not good for your program. You need yeah. somebody who is a disciplinarian, who is not afraid to say, you know what, sit your ass on the bench. You're not going to play. If you do this week in and week out, and again, I'm a firm believer is you play on how you practice, right? So if you're practicing bad, you're going to play bad. Like that's just, you know what I mean? I I just, at some point, this is where I have to, and again, I've been a Manny kind of defender. You got to give them four years. You know, you got to be able to, you know, have your full, you know, recruiting cycles, but just the, the lack of intelligence that I've seen, over the last couple of weeks. And it goes back to the Florida State game. It's it's fourth and one. I literally, I don't know if you heard me, because obviously we, we, we were kind of, you know, a couple, you know, people in between us. Um, go for a fourth and one. I don't want to see our defense back on the field. Because. No, we, we talked about that at, at during it. And I, I was like, hey, you got to punt it. But now, like, I see, man, we should not have trusted our team in that situation. So I think so. you can I think you can look at it both ways, right? I don't know about – I'm not into the analytics. I don't care what a what an analytic person is going to tell me or what the percentage number of fourth and one on your 44-yard line rather than punting the ball, you know. So whatever. I, I literally said, to me, this is your make-or-break opportunity. You go for it on fourth and one. You tell Florida State, screw you. I'm getting the first down, and we're walking away with a win in this game. Walk because I, th- I think they literally had two timeouts. That gives you a first down. You literally you, – you, you, I would say 98% chance you win the game if you convert that fourth down. Oh, absolutely. But instead, you decide to punt the ball, which, okay, I, I'm okay. You, got, you have a, one of the best punters in the country. But you at some, them, right? okay, so uh, well, so I went back I and I watched did, right? that. No, I watched that. If you go back and watch that punt, literally, there was five guys surrounding the punt returner. Five guys, not one, not two. I'm pulling the LeBron. Not three, not four, not five. Well, five. You had five <laughs> guys standing around the punt returner. Yeah, the ball hits behind them and then rolls, and then you go after it. Yeah, I don't care. The end zone. Yeah. I don't care if you had two guys standing in front of the punt returner because potentially if he catches it, maybe he goes up. But you, all five of you, stop on the front side of the punt returner. Nobody goes back. So who's that on? That's on your boy Packy. That's your special teams coach. You should have said, "Hey, three guys to the line." 
if the ball bounces, your job is to stop the ball from getting in the end zone. Yeah. If I would have seen that, it took some crazy hop, blah, blah, blah. Look, you put forth the effort. But when five guys stop at like the 10-yard line, like I have a problem. Yeah, with they that. pull up running. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a play that's that important, man. You sprint to that line, and when you get, you know, when you, you get turn. there, you you turn around and you look and, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> so you pinning him at the one instead of giving him the ball at 25. Yeah. That's a whole different ball game. Another thing, and, and again, I don't play football anymore. I did when I was younger, but I don't play anymore. But I, I go back to 1998 watching Penn State coming to the Orange Bowl on a rainy day, and Choppy Fields on a Lily end of the game goes on a go route. Mike Rumpf trailing them. Quarterback drops a dime in there. They beat Miami, right? This is my problem. Again, I don't play right now. I did that. you got to have football IQ. This ain't the NFL, right? What does a pass interference call get you in college football? 15. 15 yards. That's it. So I go back to Mike Rump. You tackle him, they get 15 yards. They still got to go 60 yards to beat you. Yeah. With literally hardly any time left, Cam Kitchens, you let their fastest, pretty much fastest guy, Douglas, go right past you. Bro, you grab him, you take that 15 yards all day. You can't let him go 60 yards because your punt team didn't do you justice and pin him inside the end zone or inside the one. That's my problem. That's football IQ. Football IQ. So for that, that – that two minutes, right? I think it was about two minutes that they ended up uh, two twenty nine for that fourth for that fourth down, right? So two two and a half minutes. Like, how many bad coaching decisions were in that time? All of them. Uh, so all of them. You know, I don't know, man. You look at it and 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 you're kind of like, hey, <laughs> we're not getting what we need from that from that standpoint, you know? But why are you playing? So let me ask you this. We got about two and a half minutes before we go to break. Maybe a little less because we went over on the first segment. Why are you playing man-to-man coverage with them on the 25 with no safety help? That Again, I'm not saying play prevent, but they have to score a touchdown. Number one rule is you always keep everything in front of you. In front of yourself, yeah. Always. And again, go back to my point. What Cam was beat. I don't, I, I don't care if it was – DJ to Corey, Tyreek, tackle him. Give up that yeah. 15. But that's the thing that, you know, <laughs> that's the thing that a defensive coordinator, whether it's a, the coordinator, your position coaches, one of these guys has got to be able to explain that to you. When you're coming out of that timeout, you, coaches need to be saying, hey, listen, if you're getting beat, just grab him. Now, granted, the guy dink and duck most of the game. You know, 15 yards here, 10 yards here. You know, really didn't make any big plays down the field. I'm going to give the guy credit. He dropped the ball exactly where it had to be. And the guy made a catch, and he sprinted for 60 yards. But that's on us. I think that that really falls back to So having said all that, having said all that, you gave up the 60 yards. Having said all that, we're going to go to break, and we'll talk about that when we get back. Listen to the Ken Gang Radio Show here on SiriusXM, channel 145. We'll be right back. Hey! 
Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see, it's a bad though. idea to do that. I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing, you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look. Back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Give good a thing little nobody credit. can crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't. Happen, you go, wow, 
You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Okay, let me finish my point. Having said all that, and I, I think I said that numerous times in the last segment, you get them down to fourth and 14. Fourth and 14. So I'm thinking at this point, okay, they're on like this. I think they're on the 25-yard line, give or take. I think they had to get to the, to the 10 or the 11. Fourth and 14. Worst-case scenario, they catch you short, you tackle them, you walk out, game's over. No. You're bringing pressure most of the game. You're putting pressure on the quarterback. You decide to rush three, three. with one spy. Almost spy. two spies when you, when you kind of look at it, right? Yeah. Like, And then you play, you play cover two. Yeah. And your guys playing cover two are literally covering grass. There's... No checks. If you watch that play, when number seven comes off the line, DJ just walks back. The guy does a post, doesn't touch him, doesn't bump him, doesn't put his hands on him. To Corey sitting there. Now, this is where I go back to, like, the old heads, right? Let's just say 2000, 2001. Ed Reed's probably taking that 100 yards going the other way. Football IQ. Like, you literally let the guy get behind three guys. With no pressure on the quarterback, you don't tell me the guy's going to make a throw? The guy threw the ball from the 35-yard line and hit the guy in stride at like the five. So a 30-yard pass in the air hits the guy in stride. I just I – don't, I don't know. Is it the players? Is that a bad play call? It reminds me of a couple years ago in 2018 – when or 2019, I'm not sure what year it was. You see fourth and 17. Correct. Like, bro, yeah. I, I do you not learn from it. <laughs> you did the same thing back then. Literally, yeah. I think you dropped three. I think you brought a, a spy um, late against. Uh, man, I, I don't even know. Was that Sam Howell? I think yeah, he was, was a freshman. Howell. He was a freshman. Yeah. yeah. Second game. Bro, yeah, our second game against. Remember, we lost to Florida. Well, was his second his career second game. game. Correct. Yeah. was our second game of the season. We just lost to Florida. We go – and, again, we started flat that game. I think we spotted them 17 nothing again at UNC. Like, mm-hmm. So, me being the Manny apologist for a couple of years, I can't do it anymore. Like, I just – it's just a lack of preparation and the lack of, like, football IQ has just gotten me – to the point where I just I can't defend somebody like that. I can't. Yeah. Well, look, you're, I mean, like I, like I say all the time, right? You're accountable for the results of the team, and you're what nineteen and fifteen in the uh, you know in in your tenure here, right? Nineteen and fifteen, and I mean, look, you've had some really embarrassing moments. You know, 
letting you're letting UNC come in your house and hang 62 on you. Uh, Owen three and bowl or Owen two in bowl games, right? Um, you know, losses to FIU, Duke, Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, you have had a lot of moments that are just downright bad, man. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, I you know, we want to win, man. That's, that's all we want to. And like, you know, look, well, I'm. I'm, I'm still respectful. The guys, the guys still our coach. Like I will never say that I want us to lose for somebody to get fired. I will never do that. Right? No, no, I agree. But uh, but uh, you know, I mean, I've I I, I I root for our team. But I mean, when you start looking at it, man, you know, results matter. And right now, our results are not very good. So speaking of that, like our results are not very good. Obviously, media knows, everybody knows, and we just talked about it earlier in the first segment. No longer have a athletic director as far as Blake James is concerned. We do have an interim director. Um, Jen Strawley takes over as interim. Why Miami does a national search, uh, and, and I do air quotes because they did a national search for a head coach <laughs> when Coach Mark Rick decided to hang it up. And yeah. uh, we, we ended up with, uh, you know, Danny Miaz. <laughs> Danny. Yeah, I'm going to play for Danny Miaz. <laughs> yeah. No, I, listen, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but at no, the same no, time. It was it was funny when, when Figgins made that comment, though. Correct. So what, what gets me is do we generally do a national research? So let's talk about a couple people out there because obviously there, there's a lot. So now that Blake's gone, is, is, Manny, is Manny the next to go? Or is that predicated on who the next AD is? I don't think so. I, th- I, th- I th- because here's the thing: I think that whoever the next AD is, those decisions are being made for them by Joe Caveria and Rudy Fernandez. You know, the basically Julio Frank's right and left hand guys, right? One guy um, um, is the chief of staff; the other guy is the president of the Miami Healthcare stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And those guys are in there on everything right now. Um, and I think that the, the Blake call was their call, right? That, Hey, president Frank, this is our recommendation based on the following that we've found. And this is what we've seen. This is what we've evaluated. These are the people that we've talked to. This is the research that we've done. So I don't think it was a light you know, decision that like Blake getting released was not a, uh, a result of the FA FSU game. Right. I think that was coming for a long time. Yeah. I believe in an opinion and, you know, Hey, we're not insiders. Right. So, you know, I just call it like what I see. I believe that Manny has that same type fate, right. That's already been decided. Right. So whoever the next AD is part of what they're saying is, Hey, you're going to have a blank canvas. We're going to do what we need to do ahead of time. You're going to have a blank canvas to come in and this is what we're looking for. Right. And if you look at it, like if you look at the way that the department that all of our athletic departments are, are, Orged, right or like the way the org chart works without names or anything like that but you look at the roles of who does what and it is drastically outdated compared to some of the other programs right um so you know i think you need to come in and you need to start redrawing everything and say hey okay all the old jobs are out here's the new 87 positions that are gonna exist <laughs> in this athletic department and everybody needs to apply for a fresh role you know and and for roles that make sense and have responsibilities that make sense. Cause I think we're, I think we're fractured from the inside on a lot of it. And I think that's really what has contributed to Blake's um, demise. Cause look, you know, Blake 
fantastic individual, right? Like great, great human fundraiser, being, you know, listen, great he, fundraiser, mm-hmm. you know, was awesome with the alumni. And, and, you know, for me personally, I've, you know, had a handful of interactions with him. Very pleasant, very, Correct. you know, welcoming to walk up to you. Right. But, you know, I think he was just kind of like, you know, let's go with the flow. Let's, you know, here we go. Let's go with the flow. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta rock the boat these days and you gotta really push to be great. Well, you gotta yeah. look at it too. It's not just in football. We've been mediocre in baseball, which Miami was, it should be a predominant powerhouse. national powerhouse with the amount of talent that we have in South Florida with baseball. We're we not. should be a better baseball school than football school, even though football is always going to be king. But with yeah. like the tradition we had here around baseball and, you know, just how Miami is an international market for Latin America, all those players should be wanting to come here and play college ball here. Well, same thing with basketball. I mean, again, how long do you support Coach L? You know, yeah. you lose a Central Florida. You haven't made a tournament in years. You know, you barely beat an FAU team Ooh. at a buzzer. You know what I mean? So at what point do you sit and say, you know, again, I, I blame. I don't say I blame. I think the responsibility fall, falls on Blake James. Now, who's it going to fall on? Right now, I think Jen Strawley, like I said, is the interim AD. We'll see what's going to happen. But with all this, how does this affect recruiting? Not, you know, and we know this all the time. You know, you got kids that are, you know, committed to Miami. We only have like seven or eight for a 22 class, which is fine. Yeah. You got the portal. Which, again, I'm a proponent of it. But at the same time, you need to have those young guys that you can build for your future. You know, you need those 15, 20 guys, you know, that are freshmen that can redshirt and, you know, sit out a year yeah. and, and build and get stronger. Um, but with, with the, you know, the lingering coaching issues, and again, I think if you're, if you're, if you're a Miami commit, and I say Miami commit, not a coach's commit, a Miami commit. Right. Doesn't matter who the coach is because you're coming to play for the school. You're not playing for the coach. It's true. But then you it's got true. players that, you know, again, if Manny is that quote unquote players coach, non-disciplinarian, let you do what you want to do. Okay. Then maybe that's why you want to play for something like that. You know, maybe you want to be, you know, Nick Saban is not a players coach. Nick Saban is a business coach. It's about the business. It's about winning. Correct. It's about winning games, collecting checks, winning rings. And until you find somebody in the same, you know, and again, I can name other people throughout the the country that have that same time of mentality. Obviously, lack lack of maybe not as much talent as the Alabamas, but there's other coaches. I, I think Luke Fickle, he's a business coach up in Cincinnati. He's doing the right things. Um, Brian Kelly, I think, yeah, Notre Dame, he's a business coach. Well, what, what you've got going on here though, too, like, you know, I'm not worried about the recruiting thing at all because the same thing that's going to happen here is going to happen a lot of places. I think there's 12 or 13 jobs open right now. Well, guess what? Most of those jobs are going to get filled with current coaches, right? So those jobs are going to open up, right? And those are going to have to be filled by other guys. Like, you're going to see the floodgates open with, <laughs> with, with coaches moving. I, I, I think you're probably going to be looking at, you know, 25 or 30, you know, division one, uh, you know, changes this year, right? Like there's a lot of guys coming. Plus there's probably going to be some unexpected jobs that are going to come open that nobody knows. Like who's to say Mac Brown's going to keep going. You know, he's, he's getting up there in age, man. You know, who's to say uh, Kirk Ferentz at, at Iowa, like, you know, maybe he's had enough. I remember, you know, Bob Stoops just, retired out of nowhere one year and was like, yeah, I'm good. You know, 
Uh, so there's there's going to be a lot of jobs that are going to be open. And with that, there's going to be a lot of kids. So I'm not worried about the recruiting thing. I just want to see what happens. It's best for the program. You know, um, you know, I know there's a lot of buzz for some former players to be to be brought in as AD. And hey, if they go through the interview process and, yeah. you know, they're qualified, I think the world of, of both of the guys that are on there and, you know, as much as we've seen Alonzo Highsmith around the program lately, I think there's probably a lot of lot of, uh, you know, lot of truth to the fact that he's probably going to be a part of this right just from how much he's been here i mean you know and how involved he's been in all the games and tweeting about him and everything right just makes sense um but you know for me right like you know i tweeted out that that my ideal ad doesn't mean that we're getting him or that the guy's a candidate he was at one time and he's a miami graduate but is dan radikovich out of clemson you know i think what he's built over there for for all of their programs is really impressive from a fundraising perspective uh from a you know championship performance perspective uh from you know greatness and excellence really in a, almost all their uh programs you know they uh they do it right over there and uh that guy's a miami graduate and you know i think he was a, a candidate when they hired blake uh so you know that's the guy i'd like to see jump in i'm a little bit apprehensive as far as trying to hire former players now, at least with Alonzo, he's done his due diligence. He's went to the NFL. He was with Green Bay. He was with Cleveland. So he knows the inside and outsides of football operations. Not mm-hmm. saying that coming back to college is something that, you know, is – I don't think – I mean, I think it's enticing for him. But, again, you talk about people with their age and, like, I mean, he's not a spring chicken either, right? Um, I, I'm always apprehensive, though, when I say this, bringing in former players to help coach. Because I'd hate for it to tarnish their legacy. I'd hate for it to tarnish their image. Yeah. You know, you bring in, like, you know, again, people, oh, let Ed Reed coach. Bro, do you think Ed Reed really wants to coach University of Miami? Like, again, he's Risk a fan. his legacy. Correct. Because, again, you know how the fan base is. Next thing you know, you're not calling the fourth and one. People are booing you, calling you names, going at you on Twitter, you know, on social media, blah, blah, blah. So I think having somebody outside of the program, is beneficial but i'm not opposed like to me if the best guy is the best guy and if they do their due diligence and they do their national search and they the rudy fernandez's and the julio franks and you know the bot's they sit down and say this is our guy this is the best guy to help us move forward you know again you want to bring in an uh, alonzo to be you know head of football operations like i mentioned you know weeks ago you know, he's the assistant athletic director of football. You know, JT Arteaga, he's the assistant athletic director of baseball, and so on and so forth. Like, obviously, it's it's money, and obviously Miami has money to pay. Like, contrary to what yeah. people think, they have plenty of money. So yeah. I just think they have to be able to get the right person who cares enough about the program to want to see the program succeed. And I'm not saying that Manny doesn't want to see the program succeed. But, again, your head coach, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. Just like I've said numerous times, as a position coach, you're only as good as your players. Just like a head coach, you're only as good as your coordinators. Your coordinators are what's going to make or break you. Now, and and, and your assistant coaches, Jonathan Packey is not going to make you as an inside linebacker coach and special team coach. He's not. Damn sure break you. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Someone yeah. like T-Rob, he will make you because he's a pro- he has a proven track record. But again, T-Rob is only going to be as good as the players that he has that he can coach. 
And if those players are coachable and wanting to learn how to develop and want to get better instead of this me type of mentality or this me type of environment, you have to put the team first. And this is where the University of Miami, they're lacking the team first and they have the me first. Like, look, we all know Rambo's one and done. He came to the University of Miami just to, you know, catch balls, put up some yards, and, and, and you know, make some money in the, in the league, right, to try to get his name out there because Miami's known for that. Um, you know, what about putting the team first? What about putting, you know, your stuff aside to help the team get better? And this is where I feel like, you know, why is not Leonard Taylor not getting more playing time? If, if he is your best defensive player on the line as a 18 year old freshman you're not doing the team a service you're doing them a disservice by not letting him play putting him in the playbook but your coaches at that point who <laughs> what's the playbook you're rushing the quarterback you're stopping the run look if you're if you're you're hitting that many tackles for loss man i don't you know i don't care you're doing something right right well and again so maybe the coaches are all about me and not the team we'll see Anyway, we're getting ready to come up to another break. we got a second hour coming here shortly. Listen to the Ken Gang Radio Show on Sirius XM Channel 145. We'll catch you in a minute. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lloyd. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio Sirius XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, look, if they pick up two nigga Manuela Pola, too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking. I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vilo. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuela Pola. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuela Pola. Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pola. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pola. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pola. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. 
Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva contra la caballota, la reina y mi queen. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Alright everybody, welcome back to the second hour of the Kang Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Uh, great first hour, great great content as far as recapping the brutal and disappointing loss at FSU. Uh, but you know, on a positive note, again, we're, we're still 5-5. Five and five. Uh, We're still looking for that bowl eligibility, getting that sixth win. And uh, I really think it happens this week. I, I really think the, the opportunity is there for us to, to win this game coming up against Vatek. Speaking of Vatek, um, got a special guest joining the show, former Vatek alum and current Miami Dolphin, Mr. Isaiah Ford. Isaiah, man, I appreciate you joining the Kang Gang. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no doubt, man. Obviously, you and I, we, we've met um, on, on a on a work-type situation, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously, I'm a huge college football fan, like, huge. I, I like the pros. Don't get me wrong. The pros are, they're good, but there's nothing like college football. Would you agree with that, or do you think the pros are better? Yeah, you know, um, it's it's just something about the college feel, you know, the college atmosphere, the games just feel like more intimate. Um, um, so, like, I think everybody that plays in the pros will tell you the same thing that there's there's something special about college football for sure. So, one thing about Vatek, and hopefully 2022, I will finally get to experience it, is the Enter Sandman up in Blacksburg at a night at a nighttime game. And so let me ask you this first. Is Enter Sandman different at night than it is during the day? It is for sure. Um, and <laughs> the thing that I always tell anyone is if you've never been to Lane Stadium, if you can choose, you prefer to go on a Thursday night against Miami. <laughs> in Lane. It's nothing. It's, it's you know, it's, I, I literally get goose, goosebumps just even thinking about it, but it's it's really special. It really is. Now, now let me ask you this: Have you do you ever like just play it in your car just to get amped up, right? Just to think back to the you know <laughs> back to those days and everything, and it just gets you crunk and ready to go. Not I I don't play it in my car, but I'll be at a stadium like at a away game or something, and I'll hear Interstate Man playing, and then I just start jumping immediately. Just takes get, you back, right? Like right back to running out of that tunnel. So, so let's talk a little bit about, obviously, you went to Trinity Christian. I believe that's up in Jacksonville, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of players. I think Derek Smith was from Trinity. And um, uh, was it Kendrick Norton? Who else came out? of? Tr and Kendrick Norton came out yeah. of Trinity as well. Norton, so, yeah. um, But you also, maybe a lot of people don't know, too, is obviously you were a very good basketball player up there as well. Um, I think if I read it correctly, like you averaged over 30 points a game your se senior year. Yeah. All right. So so you're a baller, right? So you just, you're an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> All right. So obviously you had some offers, um, obviously, you know, state schools, Florida, Florida State, uh, UNC, Ohio State. Um, what made you decide to go to VATEC? What, what was it about VATEC that caught, like, caught your attention? Uh, so I was originally committed to Louisville um, to play basketball and football going into my senior year. Um, but Virginia Tech was really one of the schools that um, continued to recruit me, continued to stay in contact with me. And it was just like, hey. Uh, just get, just come up here and take a visit. You know, um, I think if we, if we got you on campus, you'd really enjoy it. And so I took an official visit my senior year and I fell in love with the place. Um, it was beautiful from the family atmosphere to the, 
to the fans and the hospitality that I got from when I was there. And um, it kind of really put me in a bind at that time. Um, being a 17-year-old kid, it's like, man, you know. I'm Options. So, exactly. <laughs> I just, in tech, I don't know what to do. And I honestly remember praying about it for a few weeks. And I remember waking up one morning to the news that Charlie Strong had took the head coaching job at Texas. And I was like, well, my, my answer just got um, a lot easier, um, you know. Um, but the family atmosphere that, that's at Virginia Tech, it really is home. That's our slogan. That's our mantra. And it's not some corny thing that we just say it really is. So you were there. Um, obviously, I think you played one year under Frank Beamer. Two. Two years under Frank Beamer. Like, obviously, as a Miami guy, um, I, I've always liked Frank Beamer. I liked – and, again, if you go back to the old coaches, the Bobby Bowdens. Um, the Frank Beamers, they just carried themselves differently, right? Even with Bud Foster, like they just carried themselves different. What was it about Frank Beamer that 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 you kind of got something from him? Like, and maybe you still keep it with you. Right. Uh, it was just the biggest thing that, that he was huge on was doing the right thing, you know? And it's something that's so simple, uh, yet it, it really means everything in terms of doing the, the right thing on the field, whether that's preparing the right way or practicing hard or working hard or taking care of your teammates or off the field, whether it's how you carry yourself, how you treat, you know, the janitors or anyone around campus or anyone you interact with, because all that stuff matters. You know, you do all the little things right and everything else will fall into place. So I think that's the, probably the biggest thing that I took from him was doing the right thing all the time. It's funny that you mentioned that um, about even treating the janitors with respect, right? Cause I think I just saw something where Ed Reed had, was quoted saying, hey, pick up your stuff. It's That's your stuff. It's not their stuff to pick up your stuff, you know? So it, it's it's kind of neat to hear that. I mean, here Ed Reed's a Hall of Fame, you know, you know, defensive back and a professional Hall of Fame, and yet he's trying to instill maybe that same type of philosophy is, you know, be an individual, you know, just because you're in college. And obviously college kids, listen, you live the life, right? <laughs> to, to a point, you live the life. People don't understand exactly – College ball players, it's not just playing ball. I mean, obviously, your academics, your lifting, your conditioning, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that as well. But, you know, it's it's nice to hear that other people are trying to instill that. You know, and again, that's what I talk about, like the old school coaches, like the Bowdens would probably do that, the Frank Beamers. Um, obviously, being a receiver at, at Va Tech, there were some good quarterbacks that kind of came a little bit before you. Um, we do, how was the, the alumni, how did the alumni treat you as far as when you got there? Who did you see coming back to help out the younger guys that are now going into the program? Right. So from a receiver standpoint, uh, Antonio Freeman was a guy that was around a lot. Same with, uh, Andre Davis. Those were two guys that were always around, um, extremely helpful for me and the, and the rest of the, the wideout core that came in with me in terms of just helping us get acclimated and adjusted to college, you know, or what to expect, what to expect at the next level, because we all had aspirations of going to the next level. So I think those two guys, and then um, Tyrod, as I got older, Tyrod would come around more and, and uh, Cam Chancellor and then even Michael Vick started to come and that was everybody's favorite player. So I always thought that was pretty cool too. One thing about Michael Vick, and I've met him a few times. Um, I was actually, I think it was two Christmases ago. I'm going to Sawgrass. I literally just pulled up to the Sawgrass Mills Mall, and I'm kind of parked out by Brands Mart. And I see this car kind of pull up. I was just getting in my truck, and I see this car pull up, and I see this guy get out, and he has a little hoodie on him. I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, that's seven. And she looks at me because I call everybody by their numbers. I think it's a sign of respect. And she's like, who's seven? Right? Like, that, that was her response. 
So I, I literally opened my door and I'm like, yo, seven. And he turned around and I'm like, can I get a photo real quick? You know, I'm not, I'm not stargazing per se, but I'm like, he's like, yeah, yeah, come on over. So it's my Vic, um, man. Shoot. It's my Vic. Like there's just, <laughs> listen, I, I'm still wearing all Miami stuff. And that's one thing about me. Like I always wear Miami things, uh, but Michael Vic watching him in college and obviously the 2000 season when, when he had a sprained ankle, we didn't really get to see him play against that caliber of that Miami defense, but just the way he can run and throw on the run is amazing. It's unreal. And then, so a quick story was his first time coming back to campus was going into my sophomore year. And uh, me and uh, one of my other receivers, we got to spend a few time, uh, a few minutes with him after um, he had talked to the team after practice. And uh, he was like, you know what, go out there, uh, run this dig right real quick, you know? So run this 20 yard in cut for him. And he hasn't warmed up or anything. He just, it just flicks right out of his <laughs> like a hundred miles an hour. I was like, Man, this is ridiculous. You know, I just caught a big, um, and growing up, I always, I played quarterback when I was younger. So, uh, I was left-handed. I always wanted to be exactly like Michael Vick. So I, I just thought that was such a surreal moment. I mean, and like you said, it's just a flick of the wrist, the way he throws the ball. You know, there's a lot of, you know, you look at Randall Cunningham, you look at Doug Williams, um, you know, there's other guys out there that kind of came before him, but like something about the way that he threw the ball, like was just phenomenal. Like literally, just phenomenal. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand it to be honest. It's just, it's, and it's not a super long motion or anything. It's just a quick flick of the wrist, and he can throw it with sixty yards, seventy yards, you know, on a rope. It was, it was unreal. So let me ask you about. Obviously, you know, what, who, who was your favorite teammate when you were at Vatech? That's tough. Uh, I, I had a lot of, a lot of really close friends a lot of them that i still keep in contact to pretty much every day to this day um all of my roommates so uh cam phillips was one terrell edmonds was my actually my actual roommate the one that's actually we stayed in the same room the safety for the Steelers right now um greg stroman is, is another one um but my favorite teammate would probably be sam rogers okay he was our he was our running back fullback uh and when you look at him it's like <laughs> This this just is a white guy like, or you know like work does everything the right way. But Sam was probably the most talented guy on our team, and we had Tremaine Edmonds, Terrell Edmonds, you know, Tim Settle. We had a lot of a lot of really talented guys, but Sam could just do everything. If we needed him to play quarterback for us, he probably could have done it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Now you played it. You played in, in a pretty infamous game in in college football, right? The uh, the infamous zero zero in regulation uh, game at Wake Forest. <laughs> You know, just talk to me a little bit about that game, man. How, how the heck did that happen? <laughs> man, I, I tried to I tried to wash that brain out of my memory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, <laughs> I don't even know how that happened, to be honest. I remember going to halftime um, with the score being 0-0, and that's like just kind of playing up and down. And I don't know, man. Yeah. It was one of the games where it was just – it was weird. It was a very yeah. weird that Frank um, Beamer gift for him, like when it was zero yeah. zero, that's <laughs> just that's such a classic expression, man. Like it's like they, they kick a field goal late and they miss it, and he's oh. we're cheering it. <laughs> oh man, good stuff, good stuff. So, so let me ask you this: obviously, there's always rivalries, right? Like, so Miami, Florida State. Obviously, you guys have you know, the who's, you know, UVA. What was it like playing in a rivalry type situation? Obviously you're a Florida kid. So you know about the Florida, Florida States, the Miami, Florida States. Um, 
what was it like with the like the Virginia and Vatech rivalry? Talk to me a little bit about that. Right. And so, like you said, me growing up in Florida, being a Florida kid, I was new to the entire thing. Right. So I was just looking at it as, OK, this is just another game. Um, it was a little bit important because my freshman and sophomore year, it was the game that would continue our bowl streak. Right. So we needed to win it. So I knew it was important from that aspect. But the minute we go out for warm ups and both teams are on there, you can feel it. <laughs> feel the intensity you feel the the blood boiling the hatred from each team it's like man we really don't like these guys you know so and in the middle in the midst of that as a competitor as the ultimate competitor you're like okay now i love this now <laughs> wait till we start playing um, and it has that florida florida state feel to it you know to, because um in in that area it's that big to them to those guys so um once i kind of got to experience that environment you know it was it was real but i loved it yeah what was what was one of your favorite games let me ask you that obviously we, we know about that the other game but what was one of your favorite games that you played in i'd say two my one would be uh my sophomore year 2015 we're playing against uva at uva and this was uh, Coach Beamer's last year. We were five and six, five and six at the time. So we need to win this game to be bowl eligible. And they were five and six as well. So it was uh, the last game of the season, Coach Beamer's last time playing against UVA to keep the bowl streak alive, right? And um, it was like, it doesn't get any bigger than this. Like this was, if, we, if there was a must win game, it was like, we had to win this one. You know, you can't, uh, go off in on Coach Beamer's last game and lose to UVA. So we're going in, and it was a back and forth game pretty much the entire time. And uh, I, I remember we, it was like a third and fourteen or something. We're down by seven, and uh, we call a double move, and I scored in in their end zone, and I kind of let let their fans have it after after scoring, and um, we end up going in and winning by a field goal, I think, and we went to a bowl game. Yeah. So uh, that game was a was a special game for me, um, just for us to get that win in that environment. Yeah, and you had a you had you know huge numbers in that game, and getting into that bowl game, man, you that that bowl game against Tulsa, man, you went off, man. Twelve <laughs> catches, two twenty seven, and a touchdown. I'm like, man, we should have had him at Miami, man. Yeah. <laughs> My second favorite game would be the the um, the Tulsa game, and uh, you're, I, another you're feeling it, bro. Plus, <laughs> and and I and I kind of knew going into it because um, Coach Beamer had never had a thousand yard receiver. In, uh, in his entire coaching career. And I thought that wow. was pretty weird, you know, considering all the, the, the guys that came through that program, you know. Um, yeah. But so I was about 75 yards short going into that game. And I was like, hey, we're going to we're gonna get you the ball pretty early, you know, so be ready. Yeah. And I remember uh, getting the ball a few times early. And you went, as a receiver, when you touch the ball early in the game, you know, you feel really good. You feel really good. You know, it's going to be a good night. And I kind of got that feeling, and it was just like it kept going, you know, it kept that's going. That's great, man. That's great. You were cooking, man. I love it. <laughs> you know, th that's the good thing about receivers, obviously at Miami, again, you know, you talk about getting the ball early. Sometimes it's, you know, first pass, throw it to you, you drop it. You know, next thing you know, now it starts getting in your head. Does that ever happen, like, as a receiver, like, you know, when a ball's thrown to you, like, you know, you drop your first one or you, you make a bad read or, you know, bad cut. Does that stick with you in your mind throughout the whole game? It's tough. So if if you could get another target, you know, reception shortly after that, then I think you're usually fine. 
Um, but I think, especially when you're younger, um, it could be tough. It can be tough if you have a drop early. Um, now, what I try to do, even when I'm not in the game as much, um, to try to eliminate that is when I get to the sideline, I always want to touch the ball. You know, so whether I'm, you know, throwing it back and forth to myself, or I have uh, one of the quarterbacks, or one of the assistant coaches throw the ball to me, just so I'm always touching the ball. Because you don't, if you go for a, a a long period of time on that sideline, or you're running around, so you're not touching that ball, you don't want it to have be third and seven with the game on the line, with the drive on the line, and you haven't touched the ball all game. You know, that's a bad feeling. Um, so I try to touch the ball as much as I can, whether that be on the sideline, catching the ball or, or doing whatever, just so I can stay ready. You know, th- that's interesting. And and we got about 20 seconds and we're going to go to break and then we'll come back. Um, I never thought about that. You know, obviously that, that just makes perfect sense. You know, at least the ball's always in your hand, whether or not you're just flipping it up to yourself, you know, right. ma- maintaining it. That's pretty interesting. You know, maybe some of the guys at Miami should be doing that. <laughs> Uh, from from time to time, uh, maybe I can email you know our coach and, and see if he can implement that at, at some point. So give us a break real quick. We'll be right back with Isaiah Ford, that uh, 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 alumni for Vatech and current Miami Dolphin. We'll be back in about I don't know two minutes. Hey, look what I found! A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM One Four Five Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see what's a bad idea to do that? I didn't bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look. Back. You get that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Give good thing nobody can see crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home. Privacy of your own home. Watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, 
friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know, you know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. We're back. We're chopping it up. I got a little tongue-tied. I had some chicharrones earlier for dinner, so that stuff is still going through through the mouth. So let's talk about now. Obviously, you forego your senior season at, at Vatech. Well, let me stop and let me go back real quick. You said earlier Thursday night against Miami is the place to be in Blacksburg. Obviously, you played against Miami a few times. How was that experience, and, and how was that feeling um, being able to play against Miami? Uh, it was awesome. You know, being a Florida kid, I knew that the the type of swag that um, that game was going to bring when we played those guys, right? So I was always juiced up to kind of uh, get a chance to compete against some of those guys that, that I, whether I looked up to or that I competed with when I was younger in terms of whether I was seven on seven or whatever the case was. Um, so I always look forward to playing those games. Um, and then uh, it turned into us losing a lot <laughs> early in my <laughs> My freshman year, I remember um, Duke Johnson about 400 yards or something like that. Yeah, he went off that game. Uh, Duke but, was special, man. <laughs> yeah, but so my early two years. But to get that win, finally, uh, my junior year, uh, I think that was a Thursday night game. 37-16, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it was – it wasn't just a win. It was kind of like an ass whooping, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I hate to say it. But yeah, feel good to – finally get one under my belt you know yeah so i know what i know this is probably not frustrating but think about it so vatek coming to miami you know this weekend to play but you guys are you know traveling to new york i'm sure you would have loved to been there see the guys you know maybe hit the sideline you know and chop it up with them um you know so again foregoing your senior season being drafted by the dolphins 
Um, what made you decide to forego your senior season? Was there anything in particular, or did you say, you know what, I did my three years in college. I, I want I want to go to that next step, and I want to pursue my dream of being in the league. Uh, it was it was a little bit of uh, of both. You know, I had felt like um, since my freshman year, I was getting better every year. You know, and then putting together back to back thousand yard seasons from my sophomore year to my junior year, I felt like there's enough production and and tape there to show that I was ready for the next level. But at the same time, I did think like man, you know, like this is a special place. Like I'm really enjoying um, it's my time here, spending time with the coaching staff, the family. And we had finally started to win too, right, uh, my junior year. But um, ultimately it came down that when I talked to my family, we felt like that was the best decision to make. Did, did you did you have anybody telling you earlier, you know, kind of projections? So, you know, you hear now, you know, they, they, they send out grades and, you know, they get feedback from the NFL. Um, were you expected, were you, personally, were you expecting to go a little higher or kind of where were you at? Right. So we, the projections that we had been hearing the entire, throughout the entire process was anywhere from the end of the first round to second or third round. So we knew we had a a pretty good range and that was the only way that I was going to ever leave early uh, was if I was hearing something along those lines so um, that's why we ultimately decided to pull the trigger as well you know and, and Miami guys they do the same thing you know there's times that they'll get some feedback and they're like oh you know what uh, yeah second round third round and then obviously they fall you know later and later and later in the draft hindsight's twenty twenty, right like had you known you would have maybe felt as, as where you did you would probably would have come back to school for right? sure yeah, but but those are the things, and and obviously all it takes is an opportunity. It doesn't matter where you're drafted. It just 100%. takes that one off to opportunity that one team to take take a gamble on you or take a chance on you, and then you succeed. Yep. Um, how's it been like? Obviously drafted by the Dolphins, you know, spent uh, what three years there, then had a quick stint, you know, up to Boston, and a quick stint back, you know, <laughs> and then back. Tell me a little bit about how that has that worked out for you. Yeah, um, you know, I think. Uh... I've matured so much um, throughout my entire time in the in the NFL in terms of learning how to deal with adversity, you know, from, like you said, from falling in the draft to being injured my rookie year, to being on the practice squad, elevated practice squad, elevated full roster, starting, traded. Um, I think that through it all, it's kind of taught me how to stay even keel and kind of just focus on the process, you know, Falling in love, falling in love with the process, is what makes it worth it on Sundays when you go out there and you get to perform and you actually perform well. Um, so I think that it's been awesome, though. It's been an awesome journey. These last couple of weeks, you guys have really seemed to kind of turn the page as far as you know the Dolphins. Like I'll be first and foremost honest, I didn't see that you know Baltimore game going the way that it did, <laughs> but you know nobody obviously, did. No, nobody awesome. did, right? But you can just see the, the the continuity and how the team – and I think you guys are really just a few plays away here and there from probably being right around 500 or, or, or a game of, above that, right? Um, obviously with Tua, how's your continuity with Tua or how's your continuity with Jacoby? Like do you have anything in particular or whoever throws the ball? Because obviously a lefty – obviously you're a lefty, you throw the ball. Does it come out of Tua's hand different than it comes out of Jacoby's hand, right? So how does that play into, you know, when you're running routes and you're trying to catch passes, how does that factor into anything? Uh, I think the biggest thing is this. You might have to focus in a little bit more. Um, if it's a sudden change to where you're going from one righty right into a, a lefty for your next pass, that's something that 
you might have to look it all the way into your hands, you know, or um, something as small as that. But um, I think that's a really the, the, the only real difference from uh, catching passes from those guys. But they're both uh, really good dudes, you know, really, really good leaders. And I think they're both getting comfortable, as you can see, Tua is getting more comfortable in terms of learning the offense or being um, in tune with everything that we're trying to do offensively. And then you got to think it's only he's only played like 15 games too. Like he's pretty much a rookie. Yeah. So, so one thing I did notice, obviously when, when I was at your house and it's kind of one of the first times I've seen that, like, uh, and, and now I see it more and more. A lot of people, they catch ping pong balls, yeah. like <laughs> tennis balls, just anything. Is it just more hand-eye coordination? Is that kind of what that is? Yeah. So um, my girlfriend actually got me a, a ping pong machine for my birthday uh, this past year. And uh, it puts uh, tons of different spins on the balls and it's coming at these ridiculous speeds and you just sit sit uh, a few yards away and you're trying to catch them, you know, and um, it's really you have to really lock into your hand-eye coordination of where the ball is traveling, where you're going to project it to be. And I think doing those things repeatedly over and over and over, it kind of sharpens your eyes, sharpens your quickness in your hands. And having those two things being on the same page for when I'm catching that brown ball, you know, it's yeah. a lot of is, That's like, completely different than a jug machine, I'm assuming. Yeah, right? I was going to say, it's like a miniature jug machine. <laughs> <laughs> but... um and it, and it wouldn't hurt as bad if they if you miss the ball and they hit you. That's that's probably the biggest thing. But no, uh, it's it's something that that you can do in the house, you can do in the garage or something. And it's something that you don't need anyone else to do, which is why I like it. I don't have to harass Kelsey into shooting me jugs or anything like that. I could just go turn the machine on and stop the muscle. So. so explain to me, Isaiah, a day as a professional football player, like like starting with getting up and going to whether it's a, a team meeting, what is a typical day that you do and how long does that last? Yeah. So a typical day, uh, I'll probably get up around six 15 ish, get to the facility, excuse me, uh, around seven. Um, got, I like to get in there, get in the hot tub, uh, get in the sauna a little bit just to kind of make sure I'm up in, in a uh, focus for the day. Um, our first meetings around 745 special teams, um, or whatever the special teams is for the day, whether it be punt, kick return, something like that. We, we break it down into, uh, groups and for different days and then followed by a team meeting, 830. We go from team meeting to offense to defense meeting split up. That's from 845 to about 1030, 1045. We'll have a few small breaks here and there in between that time. Uh, we'll walk, then we'll have a break. We'll have a snack, uh, about a 45-minute break to get ready, like I said, get in, the, get in the tubs, you know, or go stretch, roll out, get treatment, make sure you're ready for practice. We'll be out at practice by 11.30. We'll walk through before for maybe 10 minutes, and then we'll have the usually a usual practice about two hours. So we'll practice for two hours. Then we'll have about an hour and a half window where we either lift, we have to get two lifts in usually. Um, so we'll lift that day or you just go shower, get in the tubs again, uh, get lunch. Uh, and that's right before special teams meetings usually started again around 2.15 or 2.30, depending on the day. Um, so we go from special teams for 30 minutes to watch corrections to offense and defense from 
three o'clock to four thirty ish, four forty five. Um, Keep it full. Again, and then we'll break after that. But usually after that, guys are sticking around, getting more treatment or watching more film, getting together with the quarterbacks to kind of get on the same page about certain stuff. So my days probably usually I start around six fifteen ish, and I usually get back to the house around six or seven, maybe. Good lord! Twelve All you want to do is go back to sleep and recover, right? <laughs> yeah, some days, some four days. Well, Isaiah, at least – go ahead, go ahead, Bird. No, I was just going to ask how that new facility is, man. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> yeah, you got the best facility in the NFL now, don't you? It's beautiful. You know, it's, it's – yeah. awesome. and it, it kind of makes it a little worth it. You know, you're going in there to this multi-million dollar facility where everything's state-of-the-art, top of the line, whether for the, the chefs or your locker or having the indoor right there and connected to the entire thing. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Man, I – I worked for the Falcons back in the late nineties, man, in the, in the equipment room and everything. And that was, you know, they've since moved to a nice, beautiful new practice facility, man. But that old place, man, like, I mean, it was, it was nothing, man. There was no such thing as an indoor practice facility. So it would get cold, man. And them guys were practicing outside and like, it was brutal, man. Now you guys got it made, man, with everything you got these days, yeah, man. We're, we're, we're really fortunate to, um, to have the facility that we do. Yeah. Well, I was I was fortunate. I um when they were building it, I kind of went down there and I was fixing the lights in the IPF, and uh, so it was nice being able to see it. We really couldn't like post any photos or anything like that, but like you know, I kept them in my, in my camera roll. So when the time was right, you know, I'd kind of <laughs> tweet them out or post them and be like, yeah, yeah, I kind of been in here once or twice already. But what a phenomenal uh, facility! Stephen Ross does a great job. I mean, obviously, you know, you got there, the stadium's right there at the Hard Rock, so. We got a couple more minutes, and then we're going to let you go. And and but let me ask you a question. So obviously the Vatek Miami game this weekend. So obviously Jalen Phillips, you know he's you know a Miami guy. You guys got anything going? You know as far as you know win loss, who's wearing what, you know that type of things. I haven't talked to him yet. I have to holler at him tomorrow. Now that you said that, um, uh, we've been just pretty much locked in on the Jets this week. But yeah, I'll make sure I see him in the morning. I'll I'll put something in there. We'll we'll have to work something out. Obviously, again, uh, Miami's five and five. You know, Vatex five and five. You know, you got two games left. Obviously, you guys finish with Miami and then finish with UVA. Uh, I mean, again, you lose to Miami, then you really need to, you know, beat UVA uh, going back to 2015 to kind of get that bowl game going, you know. So um, it should be interesting. Kind of give me, I I mean, do you still follow college ball? Do you still follow Vatex, you know, pretty heavily, or are you more focused now on the NFL? No, I'm tuned in every Saturday. Okay. It's just, um, and it's the same with all of my all of my friends and uh, that that we that we played together. That it's the same. Every Saturday, we're always in, in our group chats, in our group uh, chat, texting about the game. We're making sure we're all locked in and very in tune with what's going on. So obviously, like this week's kind of kind of different. Like we just fired our AD. You guys just fired your coach. Like, <laughs> what what are you expecting? Let, let me get let me get a prediction from you, if you don't mind. Give me a prediction for Saturday. I mean, obviously you're going to pick Tech. I'm, I'm assuming you have to, right? We're all five and five, but but give me a prediction and tell me why Bob Tech's going to beat Miami this week. Right. So, I think we're going to win. Uh, I'm writing this down too. <laughs> I think, I think this is the best time to play Miami. In all honesty, I always feel like when you play Miami right after that Florida State game, and if they happen to lose that game, it's usually kind of like an emotional letdown the next week, right? Um, so I think that's how we've always tried to schedule you guys 
It's like if we could play y'all in that back end of the season after y'all already played Florida State, I think we got a pretty good chance. But um, I think so. I think you guys will will be a little um, out of it early, um, and I think we'll be a little hungry. I think our our guys want to go out on the right note. Um, we got we got a few guys that um, that have been around the staff this their last few games, and they they don't want to miss out on the bowl game. So I think I feel you. That that interim coach looks like Thanos, man. <laughs> JC Price, man. <laughs> and he's a former player, so you know he's been in the he's been in the Fox, so he knows what it uh what it feels like to run through lane, you know, to to <laughs> that Virginia Tech, put on that BT on your helmet and go out there and go to war. So I think the guys are really nice. gonna play for him. All right, so we got about about forty five seconds. I'm gonna hit you with some rapid fire questions. You just give me some answers and we'll we'll wrap up with that. So you ready? Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, I'll say Dunkin' Donuts because of the donuts. I'm not a big coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ain't no wrong with that. Um, Nike or Adidas? Nike. Nike. Okay. Um, this is gonna be a, maybe a, a question you could say pass. Dolphins or Pats? Dolphins. Dolphins. <laughs> All day, right? <laughs> I just want to add, right? Okay. It's All right. So employee, right now. Yeah, I got you. So here we go. Um, Number one, 84 or 87? One. One, one for sure. One, one will always have a special place in my heart. Well, that's what I figured. That's why I circled that one there. So I just wanted to kind of ask you a few questions on that. Um, listen, Isaiah, man, we appreciate you joining us, man. It's, uh, it's definitely a pleasure. You know, you know, I hope to have you on again you know, at some point, you know, maybe next year when we're heading up to Blacksburg because we're definitely going up to, to Blacksburg next year. It'd be nice if you were going up there as well, maybe get us some sideline passes and uh, right. you know, kind of <laughs> – Hopefully that means we gotta we gotta stand on the hokey sideline if he does that. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, how we like times up with it or something, so we all can be out there at the same time. That'd be perfect. So, no before I let you go, real quick, like, what's your expectation as far as you know the Dolphins? Obviously, you guys are really starting to to gel and get some a little bit of momentum right now. Obviously, you know you're playing the Jets, who let's put it fairly, they're not a great team, right? You know, very very uh, opportunistic to beat the Jets moving forward. How are you personally looking to finish out the season? Uh, me personally, I just want to, you know, continue to take the little steps forward, you know, continue to work on my craft, kind of keep getting better every day and make the most of every opportunity that I, that I get when they present themselves. And I think that if I can continue to focus on the little things, whether that be in practice or, you know, continuing to sharpen my craft, uh, continue to clean up my routes or clean up the top and be creative and things like that, I think that, me personally, I'll be where I want to be um, with, when the season's over. But as a as a team, I think that we're taking the right steps. You know, um, we're we're finding ways to win some of these games, and they're not always the prettiest wins. You know, um, but we're making enough plays to win the games, and I think that's what ultimately matters. And I think that's something that we weren't doing early in the year. So I think as we continue to get better um, each week, continue to try to string things together and play complementary football, we'll be fine. Awesome. Isaiah, man, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Good luck on uh, on Sunday, not on Saturday. Good luck on Sunday against the Jets, and <laughs> go Canes! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Anytime, man. Anytime, yeah, Isaiah. Night. Thank you, man. And that was uh, Isaiah Ford joining us here on the Kane Gang Radio Show on Sirius XM. We'll be right back with a quick break. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 
There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see, it's a bad idea to do that. I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing. You're going to be home today, so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look. Back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Give good a thing little nobody can crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know, you know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. you, you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. 
On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Wow, bro, that, that was pretty interesting listening into uh, to Isaiah, you know, um, for those two segments. What a, what I really, I like, really like a class guy, guy. class guy. Oh Cla- man, classy. He's awesome, man. He's awesome. It's too bad. Too bad we're gonna have to hurt his feelings on Saturday, but bro, you already know. That's why I told him good luck on Sunday, not on That's Saturday. Right. Good luck on Sunday, not Saturday. <laughs> so, so yeah. let's get into it a little bit. Obviously, you know, here it is, the final segment here on the Ken Gang Radio Show. Bird and I are just chopping it up. You know, I, I was still a little disappointed. You know, thinking about the FSU game, and then I happened to watch some uh, video today. Um, someone actually broke down that last play on that fourth and 14 and literally, and I, and I hate to say this, but I would have to agree literally put all the blame on 23. And can I tell you why? Sure. Okay. So uh, I'm going to talk about it. Is there any way you could pull that up while, while I'm starting to talk about it? Go ahead and and start and I'll, I'll pull it up for you. So, so here's the thing. So obviously fourth and 14, um, I think they were on the, 24-yard line, 23-yard line, somewhere around there. They had to get to like the, the 9 or the 10. Um, and then they called a cover two, right? They called a cover two. So basically what, what that is is – so they had DJ Ivy in his zone covering the flat. They had to Corey, which is on on the – the guy called him the train tracks. It's the hashes, right? You know, literally you it's, it's your train tracks going all the way, you know, all the way up and down the field. That's like a visual point that you can see. So Takori was on the on the train tracks, and they had um, Cam Kitchens over the top on that side. So what they said was, and they broke it down. When you run that, and they had a three receiver set. So what they did was their receiver to the outside that DJ Ivy was covering was receiver one. The middle guy was receiver two, and then the inside guy was receiver three. So the play that they ran was receiver three came in about ten yards and did an in which took Tyreek and brought him out of the play. So now that leaves receiver two, who comes down about 15 yards and does the same thing, okay? Um, they do the he, – so receiver three – you see Douglas? I believe that's Douglas right there on the inside, Bird, right? He goes – so you're looking at Douglas right here. He does a dig route, so stop it right there. So can you go back just like a second or so? Play and then hit hit pause, pause, click click. All right, there. So, <laughs> so you see Douglas over here on the on the top of the screen. Yeah. That's the that was the inside receiver. So he took he took Tyreek out. Correct. This receiver number two is behind Parchment, kind of by on the two yard line. If you look at the two yard line, and Cam has him over the top. Well, what happens is to Corey. You see, you see the train tracks? This is what the guy described as the train tracks. You know, the hash marks, right? Yeah. He started on the train tracks and then drifted more towards where DJ Ivy was. If he would have just backpedaled, 
right on the train tracks like he's supposed to do, that's a pick, or at least you're knocking the ball down. Because what this guy did, Parchment, he just did literally uh, a 15-yard post right to the train tracks, and it was wide open. Yep. But had to Corey. And, and so you, I'm sure you've seen the other video from the different angle, from the end zone angle, right, looking at it. And you can just see how to Corey drifts off the train tracks. And so, again, I can't blame it all on him. But the defensive play calling was pretty much where it needed to be. Like they, he had it, he see, had. The, see, I don't know though, man, because this whole thing with Keontre spying here. Okay, so, right? so like, he did bring this up. So, Bert, watch, watch DeAndre Stevenson, right? Oh, Stevenson, right here. So what he does is instead of him pushing inside and maybe getting Jordan Travis to come to the outside, watch how wide he goes and leaves this whole lane for Jordan to throw. Look, look at this. You no. see this lane here? It's a perfect lane. If anything, Keontre, because you see on the top here, I'm not sure who that is on the 20-yard line, he has the outside containment, right? So if Jordan wants to run to his right, you have this guy with the outside containment. If Keontre just fills in this gap right here in right between here. Yeah. this, correct. Like, the lane blitz, put, right? I don't even think he went forward. I think he just stayed there. He didn't. He just stayed right there the whole time. Like what? Like to me – He's not doing you any favors there, no matter what. The play's not coming there, right? So you either have to go put pressure on Travis and crash in on him, or get or you got to get lane. back, or get yeah, to the you... throwing lane. You're standing behind the center. But yeah, but you're not tall enough either on the on the throwing lane, right? Like, you know, I almost don't even agree with play the throwing lane. Like, you either crash in or you go out. Yeah, I mean, you don't listen, play in the center because you're not yeah, doing anything in the center. One hundred percent. None of Florida State's offense was in the center of the field whatsoever. There was no cross route, nothing like that. So it was these, just really these three awkward. receivers. The three receivers literally just did like individual post patterns to the middle of the field. And yeah. but again, so DJ was his his coverage was in the flat out here. Now again, there was nobody coming out this way. You could at least bump the guy, right? Yeah. Like you literally did nothing. But okay, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. They won the game. You know they're five and five, and we're five and five. No, they're four. <laughs> they're four and. Six. We're four and six. Four yeah. and six, and we're five and five. So I'm a big Boston College fan, you know, uh, this weekend, and I'm Absolutely. definitely, and I'm definitely, I hate to say this, definitely a big Florida Gator fan the following week. I'm not. I want can both they, of them. I, go, they, I want both of them. I want both of them to win five. No, I want. I want. I want Florida State to beat Florida, and both of them to stay out of the bowl, and then we. Okay, so what's Florida's record right now? Four and six. Same. Okay, so you need. Okay, so, so you want Florida State to beat Florida. So you want Boston College to beat Florida State, stay mm -hmm. at four and six, right? So well, again, four and, Boston seven. four and seven. But if Boston College wins, that keeps them out of the bowls. And then if Florida wins, you need Florida State to beat Florida to keep them out of the bowl. Bingo. Bingo. I want both to finish five and seven and out of the bowl. Oh, uh, bro. Could you imagine? Actually, that? you know what, though? I, I would give you another You want to play them. You, you said you want to play, play Florida. Florida. Oh, I want to play Florida bad. And the battle of the uh, interim coaches. What I game can't. Coaches. The reason why Jeff, I don't want Jeff Florida Stoutland State. style, baby. Uh, the reason why I, I'd have to disagree with you, and I don't want Florida State <laughs> to be Florida, is because Florida, would then, Florida State would then be state champions. And I don't want to hear that. That's yeah. my only res but, reservation. Are you going to get up and beat your chest on being state champions on a 500 year for all of us? 100%. Eh. They're, listen, they already made t-shirts, 4th and 14th. <laughs> I know, they did. I mean, I mean, come on. You don't think the they're going to have 16. state? You don't think they're going to make state champions? They get state state champion candy candy rings for their fingers too? Listen, at the end of the day, they can do what they want to do. They're state champions. Okay. But that's listen, like, if I'm not a national champion, like I'd rather be a state that champion. national championship. 
But listen, I would rather have a state championship over a national championship because obviously at five and five, you're not going to the national championship anyway. Um, all right, so let's talk about the Vatek game. Obviously coming in with a new coach. Um, I, I don't know. Like Isaiah thinks that they're still going to get up and, and they're going to play for the game. I think Miami just smacks them in the mouth and says, get out of our stadium. That's how I, I feel. So too. I I, so. I, yeah. I mean, I think I think they're going to play like one for the Gipper. They're going to play hard for Blake. You know, they're gonna they're gonna you know say, hey Blake, man, you know we had your back. You know, we're gonna do it for Blake, not for Manny. How do you think? I don't know if I agree with that, bro. <laughs> You're on your own with that one, bro. <laughs> You're gonna die on that hill alone, bro. You don't think you you don't think they're gonna play with Blake? No, yeah, they do. care. For, I don't think they care about Blake James. Bro. They don't. Not at all. Not at all. They, they don't even know who Blake James is. Who? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You know, but you know that's the thing. I kind of feel bad. I never want to see anybody lose their job. No. But like I've said in the past, college football. When you even talk about coaches, college football is the only job that you can have, and you can suck at your job and still collect millions of dollars and a huge buyout. I just don't understand why there. I don't understand why there's nothing in their contract clauses that say, "Hey, look, if you don't fulfill our expectations." We're going to fire you, and you're not going to get paid what we owe you. Like, yeah. if I don't fulfill my expectations of my job, I'm not getting a severance package. Well, think about it. When when you get hired as a coach, right, you you come with a lot of, you know, a lot of promise, right? And to get that job, that coach who's got other offers, you know, you got to be able to put that in the contract. No, no coach, coach is going to sign a contract that doesn't give them a buyout. It's just not going to happen, you know, because – they, they have agents. the leverage. They, they, yeah, have, they have the, the leverage. leverage, right? You know, if we go out and we, you know, let's say we fire Manny. Yes, we still have a head coach, right? But let's just say, you know, for argument's sake, you fire Manny. You're going to the, – the guys that anybody wants, Mario, Lane Kiffin, you know, Cristobal, Luke Fickle, any of those guys, right, to get them away from any other school, you're going to have to give them a, a, heavy, a heavy deal that's laid in their favor or else they're not coming here. You know, if you want to go and you want to – promote Rhett Lashley to head coach. Yeah. You could probably get a, a, a contract that's favorable to the school, but let's be real. That's not happening. <laughs> oh, correct. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you want to, you want to get the right guy to lead it. You know, you gotta, you gotta pony up the cash and you know, now the school's, you know, some, some breaking news today. It says the school's ready to increase the football budget by 20 to 30 million. But yeah, there's even rumors you hear out there that they're willing to go even higher if they have to. So I mean, I'm, I'm encouraged by the signs that are coming out of here. Right. But at what point does reality say, you know what? Okay, we can go after we can go after Lane Kiffin. We can go after Mario Cristobal. I think Mario Cristobal would be a home run higher. I just sure. don't see it happening. There's, I a lot just, that has, there's a lot that has to happen. So, so, so let me ask you this, Bird. Let, let's just play. Let's play hypotheticals. Okay. Oregon wins out. Mm-hmm. They're in the CFP. They end up winning a national title. Do you leave after you just won a national title? No. No, no way. way. No way. E- even if you even if you end up in the CFP and you say you lose a semi semifinal game. Now, it'd be nice if Oregon ended up playing in the Orange Bowl. We all go over there with Mario signs. Mario to the U. Oh, Mario to the U. <laughs> can you imagine that? I'd like go. Coming I would to play go a game? Oh, my Bowl. gosh. I wonder if oh, I can get tickets. Gosh. I should get tickets. I don't care who it yeah. is. But well, bro, I have a sign, Mario to the U. Yeah, you, you, and everybody else in Miami right now, man. You know, but I mean, you know, here's the thing: like, from somebody we talked to, 
who's close to the situation, right, who will remain nameless, yeah. told us when we were talking about that name, you know, he will never come here with Blake James. Like, that okay. is just – and that, that hurdle's out of the way, right? So, when you think about what has to happen, right, I mean, let's say Oregon does, you know, maybe lose in the Pac-12 championship game or, you know, make the playoff or, you know, lose badly in whatever bowl they go to. You know, then it's a, then it's a different story, right? Like, then you go and you're like, hey, your guy, like – yeah, there's something to be said about coming home, especially with, you know, everybody in the fan base kind of banded together for, you know, for a renaissance, right? To to come in and, and, and restructure everything. And if you can be the guy, you know, yeah, Oregon's cool. It's flashy. You know, you got the blank checkbook from Phil Knight. But, I mean, you talk about, like, you know, personal pride. You know, how about coming home and fixing your fractured alma mater, right? Like, and, there's something to be said for that. And if that appeals and, to him. And having some cafecitos and some pastelinos. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, they don't have those up in Oregon. Yeah, some paparalana. <laughs> yeah. Just throwing yeah. that out there. Um, I don't know. I, like, I would actually be more intrigued for, and, and again, Mario being a, you know, two-time national champion, alumni, obviously head coach at FIU, you know, had a quick stint in Miami, saw that it wasn't going to go anywhere with Al Golden and said, Psst, I'm gone, right? Uh, went to Alabama, got a job in Oregon. The recruiting would be now again, you know, him him going to California, getting Justin Flo and people like that, like like major recruiter. But I also like Lane Kiffin. Like if you're yeah. gonna talk about names, like well, I got four. I got four names that I'm that I'm the same way happy with, and I think are all home run hires. Of course, well, Mario and Lane. Yeah. Tom Herman. I love Tom Herman. The, the hire for Tom Herman. I think I he was kind of I think he was kind of screwed at Texas. I think he didn't well, look get at, a fair look, shot. Look, at, look at how bad they are without him. Yeah. Well, yeah. They are so, awful this you year. Know, so here's my thing. They Sark, lost to Kansas. Yeah, but Sark went into that like again, that Oklahoma game, just balls to the wall. Ended up losing that. And ever since then, that's that season's oh, they haven't been they haven't been the same. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like the Texas boosters medal with that program. Look, oh, yeah. There was a time when Herman was at Ohio State, and then when he went to Houston, he was the hottest name going. Correct. Right. And then he went to Texas and they shattered him. And it was in a matter of three seasons. So yeah. look, this guy didn't just forget how to how to coach, right? So look, I love Herman. And then the other, the underdog name that I that I absolutely love. Willie Taggart. Billy, no, Billy Napier, bro. <laughs> Billy, Billy Napier. Willie, Willie Taggart. <laughs> no, 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 Willie, not Willie. <laughs> Please, Coach Willie, don't do it no more. <laughs> give me Gary the Patterson. Solo D. Yeah, give, Gary give Patterson. Me, get out of here. <laughs> James Franklin. No way. No Listen, way. I, I think my, I think you have to have somebody who has Miami culture in their blood because yeah. that's what it takes. Now, again, Jimmy's not a Miami culture guy, but he adapted to the culture of Miami and brought like that instinctive – you know, personality to Miami, but, but again, mm-hmm. it was, it was different back then. Like you start with Zoe, you start with Bratton, you know, the, the Benny blades, the Brian blades, you know, and then you start getting those guys that kind of start seeing the right, the Michael Irvins, you know, then you get the Tolbert Baines and, you know, you start getting the Jerome Browns. Like, like they got some ballers, bro. Like, Oh yeah. They were trend centers. Like, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what Miami, like the other night, bro, Miami's always been trend centers. And then you see San Fran the other night with their touchdown chain. With a big old San Fran helmet, what like bro, joke. you could not be any more, you know, plagiarism. Oh, bro. Anyway, listen, we got to go. It's been a good. <laughs> it's been a good, good two hours here on the Kane Gang. We'll holler at y'all later. Peace out. Go Canes. Canes by twenty. What do you got, Bird?
I got Canes 27-20. I think it's going to be a close game. But All right. We out of here. Peace.